that wants to be faithful to God's Word. Um, and that builds up to a Vision Sunday at the end of the month. Um, and we're going to look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We, we took a first look at that last week, and we're going to continue this week. Um, but I wanted to just get you thinking a little bit um, first, if I might do that. Um, it, it's funny, isn't it, some of the ways that we talk about church. And I found myself sort of rolling through them in my head. And I thought there are all sorts of ways that we can describe church. Um, and I threw some of them up on the, on the screen, and I think that's going to appear in a moment. Um, we, we could talk about um, my church. Um, that's okay. It's my church. It's the church I go to. We can talk about our church because you know, we're a group of us together and, and we're having a conversation. We talk about our church. That's okay too. Um, but we might talk about their church, your church, which is slightly different. Uh, we might describe Christchurch as an Anglican church, whatever that means. Uh, you may be more or less clear about that, but it'll mean something to you, perhaps. Uh, you, you might describe it as, as the, the vicar's church or the minister's church. You might do that, not do that so much here, but you can imagine someone might say, um, oh, I, I was in New York and I went to uh, uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And someone would say, was that Tim Keller's church? Um, and, you, you know, you sort of, that's okay. You can sort of you can say that. Um, we know what you mean. But it occurs to me, if predominantly um, we tend to describe church in one of those ways, um, or if a person tended to describe church in one of those ways, what influence would it have on their thinking? Do you see what I'm asking? Um, if, if you predominantly always talked about my church, how might it shape the way that you find yourself beginning to think about church? Or if you always talked about a church as um, their church, your church, how would that shape? So um, I just thought I'd give you a moment to, to think about that. How, does the, how do the descriptions that we sometimes use, how can they affect the way that we end up thinking about church? You don't have to work through all of them. You might just want to pick out one or two. Um, and then we'll just have a little bit of feedback because um, I'd be interested to see whether your ideas were the same as my ideas when I went through this. Um, so just, just take a few minutes um, uh, as we think about that and then we'll, we'll turn to the Bible. Uh, so just chat to the person next to you or think on your own, whichever, whichever you feel most comfortable with. Let's, um, uh, we won't drag that out. Let's, let's just, um, if you're willing to, just uh, give, us, give us some flavors. What do you think? If, if, if your sort of mindset is mostly my church, um, how might that affect the way that you, you think about church? Anyone got any ideas about that? I scribbled some things down earlier. Anyone got any bright ideas? What do you think? If, you, if, if that's the way you tend to think, my church, how does that affect the way that you'll behave in relation to church? Anyone going to be brave? Got an idea? It's where I belong. Yeah, okay. So that, so that could be positive. Okay. Could be, yeah, that'd be a positive way if it belonged. Any negative ways? Yeah? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's there, yes, okay, could produce that attitude. You know, there to serve me, yeah? Um, anything else? Yeah, yeah, I get the right to say. So, yes, I, I, I like it like this. This is my church, um, and I don't really want anyone else changing it. Thank you very much, because uh, I like it the way that I like it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it could be, could be those sort of flavors, couldn't it? What about our church? Um, what, how might that impact the way that um, we operate and, or the way that a church might be? Yeah, it, it could, be, could, could be a bit unfriendly, couldn't it? This is our church. Who are you? Um, I think you are coming here. This is our church. Go away. Um, yeah, you, you can imagine how you could get into that mindset, couldn't you? Um, Sarah's doing all the work. Come on, someone else join in. Um, <laughs> no, you're doing well. Um, 
And, and if, you know, if somebody's predominantly thinking their church, your church, um, that's probably the easiest. Um, and where's that going to go? Yeah, you, you, that's, the sort of, that's the sort of phrase that will come from somebody on the edge who sort of, you know, doesn't, does, doesn't own the church, doesn't feel any responsibility, just sort of gazing in. Um, um, an Anglican church? It's dangerous. <laughs> Take, taking my life in my hands here. So uh, if, if that's what you predominantly think, if, if the, what do you think? Yeah, so, so, so positively, it might be we're part of something, you know, much bigger than ourselves, um, which, could, which could be a positive thing. Yeah, and it might, it might help us with history, give us a sense of continuity with the past. Yeah, that, that, uh, that all those could be positives, couldn't they? Or negatively, it might draw us towards kind of disowning responsibility, perhaps. You know, it's the responsibility of the Church of England. Um, you know, people are amazed that, you know, when we do work on the church here, we have to pay for it. Well, doesn't the Church of England pay for that? Um, you know, people are surprised. Um, so Anglicans sort of tend to, to make us think about there is an institution out there. Um, uh, the, the minister's church. Um, what's, what's danger in that, do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, easy to, yeah, you sort of, you elevate, you know, the person. Perhaps you've, you know, you've got a celebrity preacher. Um, as the, the, the person heading up your church. And, and so the church can be quite fragile, actually. I mean, one of the things, you know, having mentioned Tim Keller earlier on, one of the things that he's worked hard at uh, over this last um, five or six years is preparing um, Redeemer Presbyterian for his departure and his retirement from active preaching ministry. Because there's a real danger that you know, the church is all about him and suddenly he's gone and everything collapses. So, okay. Um, well, we want, of course, we want to know how does the Bible talk about church, and that's what we're going to find out now. Let me pray for us, and we're going to... Uh, David's going to come. Where's David gone? David's going to come and read um, uh, again from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Father God, in all sorts of ways, we can, um, we can have our ideas about what church is, what it should be, um, but if, if they are just our ideas, then uh, they won't profit. Um, we know that... What we need is uh, to have your perspective uh, on what church is, uh, what it should be, um, and therefore uh, how we, um, if we're Christian believers, fit into it. Uh, So uh, help us as we look at your word and and try and answer some of those questions uh, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, David, come and read for us. So we're reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is on page 1153. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. 
and we were all given one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts, of the, the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Thank you very much, uh, David. All, all I want to do tonight is uh, just spend a few minutes looking at these verses I've got three ideas I want to put in front of you. Um, And if I get my timings about right, um, then uh, we may just have a little bit of time at the end uh, to do a bit more talking together. Uh, Maybe you'd have some uh, some questions or some observations of your own um, about the things we've looked at. Um, We'll see how we go with time. Um, So here we go. Three three observations about what this passage would say to us uh, of the way that we should approach church, the way we should think about church. Um, and I'm speaking to Christians tonight. You, you'll see that. This is a letter written to Christians about what it means to be church. Um, if you're not yet a Christian, you're very welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. Um, and I hope hearing a little bit about what this church business is will help you as you're thinking through uh, the Christian faith. Uh, so, so here's the first of those, um, which is that this passage would have us understand that, that Christians are, are to be those who, not, not just attending, um, but attached to church. Not just attending, uh, but attached um, to church. Um, and you, you see that, pick that up in verse uh, 13. I looked at this a little bit last week. Paul writes, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. God, by his spirit, has taken these, this diverse group of people in Corinth, has taken this diverse group of people in Cambridge, and he has formed a body out of it. Um, which means that uh, we, we become not somebody who, who attends this church, but somebody who is physically attached to it because you're part of the body. I mean, that's the, that's the imagery, isn't it? You know, the, the hand is attached to the arm, the head attached to the, to the shoulders. Um, the, the linkage is as strong and definite as that. Um, which would make it odd, wouldn't it, to, to have a kind of drift-in, drift-out kind of mentality. Um, I've never been to one, but I gather if you find the right bit of the world, uh, you can attend drive-through church. 
um, driving in your car, park in the parking lot, tune the radio um, to the service broadcast, uh, and the music's beamed straight through your car stereo system, um, and then you can sing or not sing as you want, um, pray or not pray as you want, all in the comfort of your own car. Service over, into reverse, out you go, back out the, back out the parking lot, home. Weird. Only careful, because we can get close to that sometimes, can't we? Roll up at Christchurch, park ourselves in our chair, listen in to the sermon, listen in to the music, service over, reverse out of our seat, down the stairs, out we go, not really talk to anyone. Or maybe we do stay and talk to people, but it's drive-through conversation, just sort of superficial just glancing off like billiard balls. Uh, No real involvement, no real entering into relationship with others. Isn't it possible for us to to have a similar kind of mindset, a similar sort of attitude to the way that we do church? We attend, but we're not attached. We don't belong, not in the way that a hand belongs to an arm. We don't think like that and we don't behave uh, like that. Um, But that's the picture here, that God has taken these individual believers and formed them to be a body uh, with the bonds between them uh, as firm and definite and strong uh, as the bonds between different parts of a physical body. Um, Now, I think one of the reasons that, that this can be hard for us um, is because of the consumerist attitude that we're kind of exists in our culture. You know, we spend all week, don't we, being consumers. Thinking a bit about that last week, you know, we spend all week comparing the market, um, picking our energy company, choosing our mobile phone deal, um, picking out the Netflix thing that we're going to watch. Uh, and our question all the time is, which would I like? What do I think I would get most out of? Which would be the best deal for me? Um, and because we've, we've got that attitude operating all the time, well, pretty easy to see how that slides with us in the way that we think about church. Um, you know, I don't get much out of this church. This church doesn't seem to give much to me. Not getting much value for money. Not that I give anything, but anyway, uh, it would be nice to get something out of it, this church. Uh, easy to see. Uh, how we could drag it in. So quite hard to, to change the way that we think so radically, to line up with what's being described here. A community of people attached to one another. And, and, and not a community that we have created. See, so this is the Spirit has formed this body. God has formed this church. And it's in continuity with, with, with all God's great plans. You wind back to the very beginning of Scripture, go back to, to Genesis uh, and to chapter 12, uh, and you get the call of Abraham there. Uh, and, and God says that from Abraham, he's going to form out of his descendants um, a, a people for his own possession, a mighty nation through whom all the nations on earth will be blessed. Now, now trace that promise through. Trace it through the the sweep of Scripture. And you get into the New Testament and discover that the fulfillment of that is found in church. 
Church is the holy nation. Church are the people that God has made for his own possession. Church is the, those who are designed to declare the praises of him who called them out of darkness into his glorious light. Church is to be the means by which God will bring blessing to every nation on earth. That's God's great purpose. And, and the astonishing thing, really, is that he, if you're a Christian believer... The astonishing thing is that he has privileged you to belong to such a thing. This community that now is achieving God's purposes on earth and in eternity will praise him for all time. We tend to think, oh, a bit of a burden being involved in church. You know, expect things of me. Make demands of me. Uh, we ought to be seeing what an honor, what an extraordinary effect. Fancy God doing that. Fancy allowing me to be part of this great purpose that he's established through his body. So first up, uh, not attending, but attached. Um, uh, and then uh, would you notice the way that Christians are, uh, are not to think of themselves as, as kind of redundant um, within the church, not really needed, um, but as responsible, having responsibilities uh, within the church. Um, and pick it up in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You, you, you catch the imagery. It's pr- pretty clear, easy to follow, isn't it? Here we've got a bit of the body, you know, a body part that feels a bit undervalued. You know, it doesn't feel terribly important in the body. And, and it's having a bit of a grump, a bit of a sulk, um, and doesn't really feel as though it wants to be involved. You know, it's, it's the foot. You know, I'm fed up. Everyone's treading on me all the time. And I'm just being miserable being foot. I'm not going to be a foot anymore. <laughs> Leaving the body because I just get trodden on. Or it's the eye saying, you know, I'm f- oh, sorry, it's the ear saying, I'm fed up being an ear. You know, eye gets all the attention. Everyone's always looking at the eye. Got that little phrase, haven't we? Eye contact. No one ever talks about ear contact. Fed up. Why do I get left out? You know, I'm off. That's it. That's the kind of picture. But of course, it's a nonsense. You know, the, the foot can't opt out of the body and sort of you know, declare UDI and just sort of go off and then it's a foot all on its own. I mean, it is a part of the body. Where, you know, however it feels about being a foot, however the ear feels about being an ear, it is part of the body. You can't just opt out. Um, indeed, it would be a weird body, wouldn't it, that was made up of one body part. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? I mean, it's, it's, a, sort of, it's a rather grotesque kind of image. Um, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? The body has all of these different parts and all of them belong, whether they feel valuable or not. Now, it could be. Maybe you've been around at Christchurch for a while and, and you, know, you think to yourself, everything seems to get done. I, know I pitch up and there's always some tea and coffee at the end of the service. Some musicians playing. Somebody's on the sound desk. Slides appear. All seems to function fine. Seem to, they've, yeah, they've got everything covered. I'm not needed. No jobs for me to do here. I'm redundant. 
Well, that would be to fly in the face of, of several things. I mean, I, I could push back at you in that and say, well, you know, hang on, let me tell you about the desperate crisis uh, we've got at the moment in some of our leadership teams working with some of the youth work and just how badly we need to, to, to have some more people to, to work with uh, our teenagers. Could talk to you about that. But actually, Paul doesn't argue in that kind of way. He doesn't say, look, here is a particular need that needs to be fulfilled. He argues slightly differently. He, he, he takes the perspective of, don't you understand what God has done? Um, so if you, if you see it there in verse 18, uh, the way that Paul argues it uh, is on the basis of design. In fact, Paul says, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, God hasn't sort of shoved some redundant bits. Now, he's got every part of the body just where he wanted them to be so that they will achieve the purposes that he has in mind. You're not redundant here because you're part of God's plan. God's got, where he, got you where he wants you, in his church, in his plan, fulfilling his design, which means every single one of us has a purpose. Every single one of us is responsible to play the part within the body of which God has made us a part. So if we opt out, the point isn't so much that we're letting other people down here. No, if we opt out, the point is that it's as if we're saying to God, well, you got it wrong. I'm not supposed to be here. You haven't got a part for me to play. So, uh, Christians intended to be people who are not, not just attending church, but attached to it. Christians not those who should think of themselves as, as redundant, but responsible. I have a part to play. Maybe you don't know what that is yet. Sometimes people say, oh, I, don't, I don't know what my part is, and I, I don't know what my gift is. You know, we're not going to get there, but you go into chapter 14, lots of talk about the different gifts um, that uh, God gives to people. You know, I'm not sure we need to know what our gift is in order to, to use our gift. Sometimes you just start doing stuff and you think, blow me. I never realized I had that gift. You know, lo and behold, I, I start working in Sunday Club and I, I terrified me. Never thought I had a gift working with small children and lo and behold, you have. It's often the way, isn't it? You don't, you're not consciously aware of the gift that God has given you until you start doing something and then discover uh, how he has gifted you. So, um, let's take a third. We've seen not attending but attached, not redundant but responsible, not dismissive but dependent. Um, Here's a different problem in the body. Um, We're not now concerned with the idea of somebody who feels inferior and a bit kind of useless. Um, Now we're concerned with those who feel superior um, and uh, rather dismissive of others. Um, But, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Uh, And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Because that's not the way that a body works. Just just think for a moment about an eye that has no hand. I mean, you you can see the ball, but you can't catch it. You can gaze around the world and you can see all sorts of needs, but you can't lift a finger to help. Because you haven't got any fingers, you're just an eye. I mean, it's just a weird idea. You need the comprehensive, different aspects of the body 
uh, in order uh, to function as a body. Um, and what's more, that the bits of the body that we think are less significant turn out to be the most significant. See that in verse 22? On the contrary, rather than imagining that oh, I'm very important and those other things, they don't really matter. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now, I don't know if this is what he had in mind, but I found myself thinking about my internal organs. Because um, I, I think the liver um, is, in a sense, <clears throat> it's kind of pretty weak, isn't it? It needs a rib cage to protect it, um, and uh, it can't move on its own. Um, it's pretty passive, my liver. But I would really struggle to live without it. I mean, it seems kind of pretty weak in one sense. Not like my arm that can sort of lift things, well, light things. Um, <laughs> The, the liver just sort of, you know, just sort of sits there, blobby-like, um, under my ribs. Yeah, but it's vital. I mean, that's, that's the kind of image that Paul's trying to get at uh, as we think about this. Uh, and then he goes on, verse 23, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. There are bits of our body that we are pretty sensitive about and pretty protective of. And yes, he is thinking about what you're thinking he's thinking about at this point. And those bits are pretty important, aren't they? They do some pretty important stuff. So by using this imagery, he's saying that the parts that we might think sort of negatively of, actually vital, important, and much honored by God. God has put the body together, verse 24, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. God does it in a way that actually it's the weak parts that so often he prizes most. Now the person who is aware of their need aware of their dependence upon God and others. That's often the person who is spiritually further ahead than those of us who think, oh, I've got it made. I'm really quite capable. Because we're the sort of person who actually is moving away from God instead of towards him, if we're not careful. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. And it is only together that we can fulfill God's purpose. Only together that we can form the body of Christ. Because he's arranged all the different parts, each one of us, in place. Uh, So there's some reflections. Um, I think it catches all of us, this, these three headings. Uh, That's what I was reflecting on uh, as I thought about this. if, you, if you're somebody feeling you know, very much on the fringe of things, um, well, uh, God would be saying to us through his word here, um, you, you, must, you must understand that you're attached to a body. Even if you're only here in Cambridge for six months, maybe you just feel as they're passing through. I know I'm just, I'm just in Cambridge for a little bit of time. Well, attach. Know that you're attached. Uh, that's what God would have for you. He wants you to be part of a body of Christ if you're a Christian believer. 
Um, those of us who feel um, you know, as if we haven't got much to offer, uh, he says, no, you're needed. You've got a responsibility. You've got a part to play. And those of us who feel a bit superior, uh, he would say, understand your dependence upon everybody else. Stop pretending that you can go it alone. So I think it catches all of us in different ways. Um, we can probably, we'll just do a couple of minutes um, for, to get you to think together for a second. Um, and then maybe there some comments, maybe some observations, things you, you, you've noticed from this passage uh, that I've missed. There's plenty here. Um, here's my question for you. You don't need to talk about this, but this was a discussion starter if you've answered it. Um, what has helped you, um, or you think would help you, uh, to develop the right attitude to a church? As, as you look back through your Christian life, you've been a Christian for a while. What has helped you uh, to develop right attitude to, to, to church? Um, or what do you think might help you going forward? Um, so you could talk about that to the person next to you for a couple of minutes, or something else that has struck you from this passage. Um, and then we'll just take um, five minutes or so, maybe, seeing if anybody's got anything. Uh, you may have seen something important that I've not seen. Okay, so just a couple of minutes, chat to the person next to you, um, and then we'll have a final song. Um, we can go on talking about this um, uh, over coffee if you, if you are able to stay. Um, any observations, any thoughts? Um, I'm glad to hear either things that have struck people um, or questions you might have. I don't promise to be able to answer them, but um, any thoughts? Anyone want to pitch in? Just take a few minutes. Matt? Yeah, I think predominantly um, when, we, when we come to passages like this in the New Testament, um, it is the local church that's being addressed. Um, so you know, here, here's Paul writing to, to believers in Corinth, and he's not saying, you know, you're a part of the body of Christ. Um, now, there is a, there is a sense, and, and people who write and think about these things rightly understand that there is this, there is this sort of universal church, you know, the, the people of God, you know, um, all, all the, the invisible church, all the believers um, scattered around the world who, um, um, who God has called. Um, but when Paul writes a letter like this, I think he's writing to, to, to as it were, to the visible church, you know, that, that happens to be gathered in Corinth. And so I think we're right to take it and apply it um, to, um, to Christ church. Um, how then do we think about our relations with um, other churches in our network? Um, well, I think by and large we, we think about those, I think much more on an administrative level um, rather than so strongly as a spiritual level because we're not, you know, we're not a, you know, we're not a body you know, we've got, you know, got brothers and sisters at Eden Baptist. You know, they're a different denomination to us. You know, I love them dearly, and I love Julian, who's the pastor there. Uh, he and I love spending time together. Um, but he's not, he's not part of the body that I belong to in, in, in this Corinthian sense. He's a, you know, he's a brother in Christ, um, and, and I love him, and I want to see Eden Baptist thrive. But, but I, I won't bring quite the same mindset, and, and nor would he. Um, so it doesn't stop us working together, it doesn't stop us wanting to pray for one another, encourage one another, sometimes do joint events together. But I think in terms of this idea of, of the, 
of, of the spiritual body, its local church. Does that, does that help a bit? Um, thank you. Good question. Uh, anyone go in a different direction? Uh, anyone got something else they'd notice? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's a really good observation. Um, when when we have our welcome suppers, one of the things that that I often find myself saying to people who are arriving is, um, "You may be in a in a kind of sort of semi burnt out state. You know, you're arriving. Maybe you're just arriving in Cambridge. Um, you've come from another you know another church in another part of the country or another country altogether." Um, and you're just feeling jaded because precisely for the reasons you say, um, too involved. Or, and I don't know that you're alluding to this, just the way in which our, our sense of involvement becomes such that you know, we, lose, we lose all our contact with, um, with our non-Christian friends um, and kind of, kind of disengage and disappear into kind of the, the classic holy huddle. Um, uh, I think, I think you, you're absolutely right to, to observe those things. Um, and um, it, it's kind of an 80-20 thing, isn't it? Um, in as much as that so often in churches, um, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Um, and that's, that's why that's happening. Um, and actually, if, um, if we could even get it up to... 30%, 40%, um, the, the workload, as it were, uh, would decrease. Um, and we find the body functioning in a more healthy way. Um, sometimes it's the 20%'s fault, because the 20% makes it hard for the 80% to get involved. This is our church. You know? What do you mean you're a bit new? You want to get involved? What do you mean? Yeah, you can see how that can happen as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm describing the problem um, I think the, you know, the solution is to be found to let's think rightly about what a body really is to help those who are doing too much and stopping other people being involved to get it right and to encourage those to come in and be involved because they are part of the body easy to say harder to do in practice and maybe one more um, or we'll get to our uh, song Lynn Yes, I think that's really helpful. And, and, and I think so often, um, I've certainly been in churches where people have sort of, you know, had surveys maybe in the small groups, have, have, have sort of worked with um, studies that have been encouraged people to, to try and think a little bit about how God has gifted them, think about things they've done in the past and so on. Um, I think one of the key ways of working out um, the ways in which God has gifted you is to ask somebody else. I think often it is an external perspective. Um, you know, we can be a little bit blind to um, our own gifts 
um, or indeed we can imagine we have a gift that everyone else can see we haven't. Um, and um, so the humility to, to talk to others um, and ask for their input. Um, what, do they, you know, what do they notice? What do they suspect? Um, uh, uh, I might, God might have gifted me for. I think it's a, it's a really good question to ask. Thank you. All good questions. We could do lots more. Uh, why don't we um, uh, remuster uh, uh, the musicians at the front? Um, and uh, we're going to sing a lovely last song. Um, that is an encouragement to one another that uh, God's church, we, his people, uh, might arise, um, fight the fight, uh, do the work uh, that God has called us uh, to do. So with the music, let's stand and sing.